2: Tune in every other Tuesday
1: and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible
2: tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year
2: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stephon Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. Here's my question for you, Samantha <laughs> Did you have a school spirit at your university? Okay,
1: um. Of course, University of Georgia. If you know anything about the University of Georgia, then you know they are diehard sports legions type of school. So yes, I did have, quote, school spirit, I guess, in that even today, I'm proud of my alma mater, that I got my degree there, whatever, whatnot. I was excited to get accepted and start school there because it felt big, especially coming from a small town. But, I think I was more annoyed while I was on campus because it disrupted so much, like school life. yeah, that I was like, i don't I don't want any part of this. What are you doing? And I know as in fact, friends and I, one person who I had many friends who got married during our time at school, would purposely stay as far away from anything black and red as mm-hmm. possible because we didn't want to be, quote, those people. Right. There's nothing wrong with being proud, please. But at that point in time, we were just so over it. It yeah. wasn't that big of a deal to me. Right.
2: Well, listeners, you might not know, but Samantha and I are arch rivals. Yes. We are sworn enemies. True story. Because I went to the Institute, the Georgia Institute of Technology, or Georgia Tech. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because my dad was like a college professor you see in those like really sentimental movies who like cries with his kids when they move on. He was like, so uh, my mom just found like a box of letters he kept from his students. He was just so desperate for me and my brothers, one of us to become a professor. It meant the world to him. None of his kids had school spirit. And he would get, he, it tickled him, but he would get annoyed because I only went to one game my entire time at Georgia Tech. And I would purposefully go to the library during games (laughs) because everyone was at the games. And the library, which was usually packed, was nice and quiet. Right. And uh, (laughs) we would go to the food halls because there was no one there.
1: And it would be completely empty and everybody was at the games. It was delightful. Or the coffee shops.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did. I really enjoyed the game I went to. And then after I graduated, I went to two more games. And they were always really fun. And I liked the like walking around beforehand and like the atmosphere and getting free stuff. I always liked that. But uh, it was just, it's funny to me that there was this big rivalry between UGA and tech. And I had so many students from UGA tell me, like, we could care less about you. It's actually Florida. (laughs) It's true. (laughs)
1: It's true. Uh, Part of that was because it was more likely that Florida would put up a fight when it came to football. So sorry. What? Sorry. (laughs) But also, it was more of a delight because they went away. Like all of the Florida Georgia games were in Florida. Yeah. It was usually around fall break, so everybody mm-hmm. made the big hiatus, and I was like, "Oh, good, the town is <laughs> empty. I love this." But yeah, the <laughs> rivalries stand because of that specifically. I mean, people really enjoy because Thanksgiving yeah. was always a Georgia rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. Hey.
2: I won. Oh, I didn't win. Uh, Georgia Tech won the one time I watched it on TV. And it was it's very true. exciting. <laughs> one time they did win. they one time. times they've won since
1: then, I think. <laughs> I have not watched enough to care. Again, um, when I was going to school, I, I, don't, I think I own a total of three UGA shirts oh, and wow. one sweatshirt. Because uh-huh. I was like, oh, I guess I should buy... Right. I'm pretty sure my parents bought me a UGA shirt at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I hated going to games. Hated it <laughs> because of the crowd. But a lot of the times we had adult men who felt like they were college students. And so would just yell yeah. in my face. I had many incidents where I would have grown men. And when I say grown men, 50-year-old men come yell at me mm-hmm. about whatever sports was happening. I had a couple grab me, corner me. So not yeah. great experiences. And sure. UGA... Um, is one of the most broy, mm-hmm. like toxic masculinity definition when it comes to college football. And mm-hmm. I hope it's changed since then. I don't know. And I never enjoyed any of that aspect, so.
2: Right. Well, I... And then we'll move on from this conversation and I'll tell you why I brought it up. But um, <laughs> the one game I went to when I was in college, I was in the um, visitors section. I can't remember why. But uh, so I was sitting with Clemson and it's a viral YouTube clip and you can see me behind the guy. But this guy from Clemson, bless his heart, was so into the game. And when Clemson lost, he was lied out on the bleachers and he was just sobbing and like his arms were in the air. And he said, "What?" <laughs> and I was looking down at him like... Ooh, <laughs> people take this really seriously. Uh, yeah,
1: to have that much love. Yes. I mean, I definitely had friends that would literally affect their entire day. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so-and-so, oh, no, so-and-so is going to be in a worse mood. We have to get away from them. Right. Because UGA lost. Like, stuff like that is To love a sport that much
2: is interesting. <laughs> it is. And I have a lot of thoughts about that as someone who is in fandom space it's often mocked for similar levels of uh, fandomness but that is a different conversation for another yes. time i wanted to ask you because we're going to be talking about uga in this episode uh, which is something i did not expect to come up because we're we're about to head into memorial day weekend here in the united states so this episode's going to be a bit shorter but we wanted to look into some of the women behind memorial day and as more and more people are getting vaccinated. And Memorial Day weekend is often a time in the United States as like kicking off the summer season of barbecues and being outside. And Samantha and I are actually attending one of said events. Yes. Yes. And we did... We have been experiencing some re-entry anxiety, which I know has been in the news a lot. And we've talked about a lot, even if we didn't use that term because I hadn't heard it before. But yeah, I think since I've been vaccinated, I've been out three times. And it felt like the last time felt better, but the first time was like... Yes. It uh, was overwhelming. It was. It was very, very overwhelming and exhausting. And yeah, Samantha and I are going to some events together this weekend. And I'm both excited, but yeah, very, like, almost (laughs) pre-tired. Right. I had that experience
1: this weekend. So for unknown reasons, and it just came about, I finally have gone out. But it included having time out in a outdoor market, which is typically crowded, as well as spending time with my family, which is also really just a big stressor for me in general. So both of them came together in one weekend and I had back to back to back things that happened and I don't love being social. I am overly anxious about what is happening. I am very anxious about the reaction around the mask mandates and of course there's not one anymore. CDC has mm-hmm. kind of lifted that and I for one I'm like, "Oh no, I'm going to I'm going to keep wearing it thanks as long as I'm around a group of people." And when I was at the market There were a lot of people still wearing it, but there were a lot of people who weren't. And I was kind of shocked how easily people were like, hey, we're good, right? We're good. But that makes me anxious. Again, the family incident made me anxious and I was tired. And Mm -hmm. I think um, as we're recording today, I said at the beginning, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm actually over going out this weekend. And yeah, we've got more coming. You started laughing because I was like, oh my God, it's never ending. Because (laughs) it just seems like so much right now. But at the same time, it seems unavoidable. And keeping our friendships and keeping kind of like maintained. Because it's a lot of birthday stuff. So my partner's birthday is this weekend. Uh, Two of our co-workers' birthday is this weekend. Mm -hmm. And then Memorial Day is happening, which I will be at home, ignoring everybody. (laughs) But there's this whole level of anxiety that, again, like I'm trying my best to not get so affected. Because it really does just make me want to shut down. as in fact, because we just did the Monday Mini recently about our confidence issues and and just anxiety and coming out. And Mm -hmm. we did have a listener, she said, in today's Monday Mini, you touched on insecurity about going out. And this doesn't apply to all of us, but I and some other trans people are definitely feeling out of practice uh, at mentally preparing to be visible again. And that's separate from just our appearance. And oh my God, yeah, I can't imagine, especially with all of the BS that is happening with the anti-trans Law, anti LGBTQ stuff, as well as all the racist things that are happening, all the sexist things that are happening, fat phobia that is happening. Like there's just an overall level. And part of that is for me, uh, part of the fat phobia and my own insecurities on my body, the lack of things that I've done during our quarantine. You know, it's just such a big thing. And Memorial Day is supposed to be about celebrating,
2: kind of, yeah. Dot, kind dot,
1: of. Dot. Yeah. But just getting as an excuse to getting out, and man, that does not sound fun.
2: Yeah, it's certainly a bit nerve-wracking. I'm finding I'm having trouble with, um, I guess, people's expectations that I should, I should want to go out more, and I'm not. And people seem to think that's weird. Or some people in my life seem to think that's weird, or that doesn't match with how they think I am. And that's been kind of a strange experience for me. But yeah, we we also had another listener write in about having gender and sexuality crisis or questions during the pandemic. And that is something we wanted to come back and to do a whole episode on. Hopefully we can find some information right. about that. And it also feels so weird to be almost complaining that like we have friends.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> We're not complaining, but we are complaining. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, And there are so many things I do want to come back and talk about in uh, another episode about. Like, I've just been reading about the whole death to bras thing. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I have become a big fan of tank tops and pullover sweaters because that means it's not so noticeable that Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing a bra. Yeah. Because they are starting to hang.
2: (laughs) Right. But at the same time, I don't care enough to try to lift them back up. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing for me is I accidentally, because I haven't been wearing a bra in my apartment, right. uh, I accidentally went outside without a bra, on, and I don't think that ever, 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 ever would have happened like before this. Yeah, It'd been like a fear, like a <gasps> right. But then I was just like halfway to the grocery store, or whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> wearing a bra. <laughs> <Huh>. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. But okay, let us get into our our topic at hand. Here in the US, we celebrate Memorial Day on the last Monday in May as a way to honor service women and men who have given their lives for this country, typically marked with a moment of silence and remembrance at 3pm local time. And women played a huge role in the origins of Memorial Day. And perhaps obviously, there's been a long history of marking those who have died in war. So this is pretty contained episode, but we could go way, right. way back for sure. And we are going to go back to the Civil War. The country was torn apart, and some women were looking for a way to at least start the healing after years of brutal and devastating conflict. One of the women leading the charge on this was Ellen Call Long, who helped establish the first Memorial Day Associations, or the Women's Relief Society, as it was more likely called back then. In order to honor those that had died in the war, they collected flowers for what was called Decoration Day. And on this day, they also provided care for those disabled during the Civil War, widows and children. Some stories go that this whole thing was inspired after the women saw bare Union soldiers' graves in enemy territory in the South and took it upon themselves to decorate them as well.
1: Right. Once the war ended in 1865, Call Long, along with other women, came together to form a memorial society with the hope of mending some of the pain that tore the U.S. apart. And eventually, this led to Memorial Day. The federal government named Waterloo, New York, as the birthplace of Memorial Day in 1966, although several places in the South also lay claim, and a few others in the North, uh, 25 cities altogether. And it became a national holiday in 1971, in part to make a three-day weekend for federal employees. The National Moment of Remembrance was enacted in 2000, which is, wow. lot later than I thought, so some records suggest that one of the earliest Memorial Day celebrations was held in Charleston, South Carolina by freed formerly enslaved people, upwards of about 10,000 people in attendance.
2: yes and and about the kind of recency of that uh, moment of remembrance, I think that was because for a lot of us, Memorial Day weekend has been lost, like the original meaning has been lost, mm-hmm. and it is like summertime and barbecue. so this was a way of like trying to remind people what it is about. Ellen Call Long is a complicated figure. She lived in Florida from 1825 to 1905. She was a plantation owner that profited off slave labor and a unionist that may or may not have separated from her husband due to conflicting views on secession. Though she did still provide support for the Confederacy by hosting soldiers and providing aid to the wounded. So her husband, like, Moved to Texas, and they never got divorced, but they never lived together again. So, okay. Also, she was into silkworm cultivation and forestry. And in the 1880s, she became the first woman officer of the Southern Forestry Congress. She compiled and presented a paper about the benefits of burning uh, when it comes to forestry 50 years before it was adopted in the region as a standard. She represented Florida at numerous exhibitions and events, She helped with historic preservations like Mount Vernon. She turned down the postmaster position in 1882 and instead vocally supported Black candidate William G. Stewart, which made a lot of local white people really mad, to the point that when her book, Florida Breezes, was published the next year, these angry white people allegedly burned and destroyed most of the copies to show their outrage. They didn't like her views on reconciliation either, or her opposition to slavery and secession and her opinion that President Lincoln was one of America's greatest presidents. This is not to say she did not have problematic stances on race because she most certainly did. She wrote of her concerns that Black people wouldn't be able to care for themselves or their children after the Civil War. um, And she was concerned about the plantation economy without slavery too.
1: Call wrote in her book about the Ladies' Memorial Association, quote, Our purpose is... PURELY RELIGIOUS, A LABOR OF LOVE, THE SACRED CARE OF THE DEAD, TO RECLAIM FROM OBLIVION AND DEFAMATION THE MEMORY AND GRAVES OF THOSE WHO, QUOTE, RIGHT OR WRONG, STOOD BY THEIR COUNTRY'S CAUSE. IN NO INVIDIOUS SPIRIT DO WE COME. THE POLITICAL STORM THAT SHOOK OUR COUNTRY TO ITS FOUNDATION IS past. WAR WITH ITS CARNAGE IS OVER. And we are done with the cause. And though we scarce discover the silver lining of the dark clouds, which have so long hung like a pall above us, we believe that it will show itself and are willing to do all that women can do to stem the tide of bitterness and assuage the angry feelings that naturally, at present, exist between two sections of the country. Yeah, and as of note, of course, a lot of these groups in the South were instrumental and still angry. I'll come back to that. But in getting a Confederate Memorial Day recognized as a holiday. And by the way, some states, including our state, still observe it, although they call it just state holiday. Right. (laughs) But it's the same day in April. And I didn't know it existed until I worked at the Department of Family and Children's Services. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yes, Confederate Memorial Day, in which myself and a lot of people of color just sat there and looked at each other going, what? (laughs) <laughs> right. What is this? And yeah, uh-huh. it still exists here, just as uh-huh. known as State Holiday.
2: Yep. In the early days, Memorial Day or Decoration Day was observed by decorating soldiers' graves with flowers and flags and saying prayers over their grave sites. And businesses closed in observance. Call Long and the other women started these early Decoration Days. But if you just did a kind of superficial layer of Googling, Mayor John A. Logan, the leader of a group of Civil War veterans, usually gets the credit for announcing that May 30th should be a day for remembrance in adorning soldiers' graves with flowers in 1868, though he himself often credited his wife, Mary Logan. The day was chosen either because it commemorated at no particular battle and or uh, because it was when flowers were in full bloom. The first official observance following this announcement of uh, Logan's took place at Arlington National Cemetery. About 5,000 people attended, and small American flags were placed on the graves. The day was observed across the country, and the Army and Navy had protocols in place for how to mark the day by the end of the 19th century. But Carl Long was not the only woman. Involved in making Memorial Day what it is today, and we'll get into that. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode
1: is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest
2: talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs
1: Snagajob is the partner you need to keep
2: your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to two four two four two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop
2: and we're back thank you sponsor
1: Right. So after World War I came to a close, Memorial Day was expanded to include soldiers who had died in all American wars. This is also when the tradition of wearing a poppy originated, largely thanks in part to a woman named Wayna Michael. She was inspired by the poem in Flanders fields which featured red poppies in the imagery she wrote her own poem called We Shall Keep the Faith and wore a red poppy to commemorate Memorial Day in 1918 urging others to do the same she was later featured on the 3 cent stamp in the US in 1948 as the founder of Memorial Poppy and she published an autobiography called The Miracle Flower The Story of the Flanders Fields Memorial Poppy in 1941
2: Michael was an American professor. She worked at the University of Georgia, see the connect. That red that red <laughs> makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> and she lived from 1869 to 1944. Her father had fought for the Confederacy and her family owned a cotton plantation. The outbreak of World War 1 forced her to flee from Germany where she was spending her vacation. The journey took a tense 16 days with concerns of enemy ships in the water, mines and submarines. When Michael got back, she poured a lot of time and effort into ways she could provide comforts for soldiers waiting for deployment, including finding families to adopt them, basically take care of them while they're waiting to be deployed, and relief for those that had returned. She also was uh, very instrumental in evacuating tourists from Europe. And she volunteered at the National YMCA as a war worker. And this is when she got the idea for using poppies as a symbol for remembrance. She described the inspiration for the idea in her book like this. On Saturday morning before armistice, during the 25th Conference of the Overseas YMCA War Secretaries, November 9th, 1918, A young soldier, the son of A.G. Nebel, New York City, Executive Secretary to the War Personnel Board of National War Workers Council, the Governing Board of our Staff, and YMCA Secretaries for Overseas, placed a copy of the November Ladies' Home Journal on my desk at headquarters. About 10.30 o'clock, when everyone was on duty elsewhere, I found time to read it and discovered the marked Page, which carried Colonel John McRae's poem, We Shall Not Sleep, later named in Flanders Fields. It was vividly picturized most strikingly illustrated in color. I read the poem, which I have read many times previously, and studied this graphic, Picturization. The last verse transfixed me. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. That was for me a full spiritual experience. It seemed as though the silent voices again were vocal, whispering in sighs of anxiety unto anguish. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Alone again in a high moment of white resolve, I pledge to keep the faith and always wear a red poppy of Flanders fields as a sign of remembrance and the emblem of keeping the faith with all who died. In hectic times, as were those times, great emotional impacts may be obliterated by succeeding greater ones. So I felt impelled to make a note of my pledge. I reached for a used yellow envelope, turned the blank side up, and hastily scribbled my pledge to keep the faith with all who died. So
1: she told people she would wear red poppies in remembrance and went out in New York City looking for them. She purchased 25 and wore one on her lapel, handing out the others. She wrote that she wore hers until her return home in February, and she was determined in her efforts to make wearing poppies on Memorial Day thing, including a national letter writing campaign and a public-facing leader of Flandersfield's red poppy movement to the point that people called her the Poppy Lady, which I feel like there's a whole other indication to that, but whatever. <laughs> she sold poppies and used the funds for injured or deceased soldiers. In 1920, the American Legion named the poppy as their official flower, and in 1924, they started distributing poppies as a national program.
2: World War I veterans organizations around the world adopted the practice, including Canada, Australia, the UK, and New Zealand, dating back to the 1920s. And to this day, red poppies are worn on Remembrance Day and Veterans Day. Selling poppies has raised billions of dollars. According to her great-nephew, Michael helped raise $3 billion during her lifetime alone, accounting for inflation. The distribution of 3.5 American Legion auxiliary poppies raised 2.1 million dollars for American veterans in 2016, and the British Royal Legion distributes up to 45 million poppies a year, raising around $64 million for retired or injured soldiers.
1: So when the war came to an end, Michael taught a class for disabled service members and attended weekly meetings of the local chapter of Disabled American Veterans. She planted poppies on UGA's campus. And in Michael's hometown of Good Hope, there's a road named after her, a historical marker, and an annual poppy fest. Uh, She was also inducted into the Georgia Women of Achievement in 1999.
2: Yeah, um, and if anyone is curious, uh, surprisingly enough, Over on the other podcast, I do Savor, which is about food, we did an episode on poppies. And we talked about this poem, the original poem in Flanders Field and why poppies were used. And um, poppies are really brightly colored and pretty and uh, red. In these mass grave sites during wars, they would sprout up on, on the mass grave sites. So that is at least part of the reason that they were chosen. We do have a little bit more for you, listeners. But first, we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Snagajob.
2: Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs.
1: Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly.
2: Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop.
2: Listen to Technically
1: Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And We just wanted to touch on a few things as we close up here uh, this Memorial Day weekend. As we're recording it, you could be listening to it whenever. Because yeah, modernly, there are still so many issues with the military. And in this context, especially when it comes to women, sexual assault, and the LGBTQ plus community, one of the biggest moments for women serving in the U.S. Army was the Women's Armed Services Act of 1948. Still today, women make up only about 16% of U.S. military forces. The numbers are much lower when it comes to leadership roles. The first woman to be named as a four-star general, General Ann Dunwoody of the U.S. Army, earned the title in 2008, so very recently. Openly gay members of the LGBTQ community were allowed to serve beginning in 2011 with the lifting of a ban on transgender folks in 2021, which we've talked about. The ban explicitly prohibiting gay and lesbian people was enacted in 1982. Before that, they would be discharged or, uh, I believe, criminally, it was a criminal offense, or it could be. And Don't Ask, Don't Tell was enacted in 1993. Spousal benefits were granted to LGBTQ plus military members uh, in 2013. Right.
1: And there are plenty of firsts when it comes to marginalized folks serving in the U.S. military. We talked about Cathay Williams in our Female First series with Ease, for example. Um, And history is full of fierce warriors, plenty of whom we've talked about. At the same time, uh, women and members of the LGBTQ plus community have long been serving the military, whether officially or not. Or in the capacity of nurses, scientists, operators, keeping the country running in all kinds of ways and many of their contributions unrecognized or refuse to be recognized. Yeah, obviously, it's been a big point of contention in the last six years about what's been happening. And yes, with the new administration, with a ban being lifted for the trans community to be able to serve. And the fact that it's still a conversation is really sad to me. (laughs) And I, I can't I can't get over that. But yeah, and then just the ugly history of how women in marginalized communities are treated within those fields as well. And why for some reason we still have to talk about the I guess the overall lack of care for after services. Yeah. And yeah. how little is being done mm-hmm. and how little money is being invested for that as well as who can access it. So lots of big things that we could talk about here and we need to talk about soon, but not necessarily from Memorial Day, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just felt like that was good to uh, touch on that because there are a lot of complicated issues around pretty much everything we talk about, but certainly the military and certainly in this case, the U.S. military. And that's a good point about the aftercare and the lack thereof veterans often <laughs> don't, I guess, don't receive. And that is these women we talked about and all these women's groups, that's what their focus was, was, you know, the, the veterans and the children left behind or the widows left behind. So they were trying to fill that space. And that's a part of why we have Memorial Day today. And then, of course, there's recently been the whole hubbub around Ted Cruz uh, and the... Woke, emasculated military, as he called it in the U.S. After a U.S. commercial followed a woman soldier, he compared it to a Russian commercial for their military. And I think that's very telling right there. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, that seems a little bit uh, on the nose. It does. It does. And I know we've talked about this before, but I grew up in a military town. It's one of the Mm -hmm. biggest military colleges in the Southeast, I think. Uh, we had like an ROTC program and I i know I talked about it, but I, people tried to recruit me into the military and that was a selling point it was pretty much this brewery culture, but they were selling it to me and like, you're going to have all the pics of hot dudes that you want. And I was 15. You know? <laughs> was right, like, right. <laughs> huh. Okay. That is That is not a selling point. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, listeners, we hope that whatever you're doing or not doing, that you're doing well. And um, let us know. Let us know if you're experiencing re-entry anxiety or if you have any other topics around the military you would like us to discuss because we know there is so much to unpack there. And you can send any of those suggestions our way. Our email is Steph Media and Mom stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told to You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year